Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, America. Welcome. It's arraignment day in America. <laughs> yeah, I just, oh, you got to laugh or you roll your eyes and cry this stuff. I mean, the media is so obsessed with it. Uh, I, I do have to give you some internal gossip from some of the political campaigns about it. I want to take your phone calls as well. 877-973-7425. I actually want to start with a phone call here because I've been getting this quite a bit. Uh, and it, it, it relates to the rest of this stuff. So, Donna, I want to go to you next. Welcome to the show. Hi there. I appreciate the analysis. It kind of keeps my head straight about all this rigmarole. Um, Thank you. And this is a question I've Googled and discussed with people, and nobody seems to know the answer. So maybe it's a great unknown. Maybe we're venturing into territory we've never been in before. But the question, if Trump is convicted, either before or after, and he wins the presidency, can he pardon himself? That is a good question, and it is uncharted territory. <laughs> I mean, we've never had an indicted president or former president before. So, yeah. So let me let me um, explain this one to everybody. And, and thank you very much for the question, Donna, because it relates to the rest of this. Um, can a president pardon himself? This was actually a question that people began exploring when Donald Trump was in the presidency uh, over all the allegations at the time regarding uh, Ukraine and the things that led to his impeachment. Uh, And there are two schools of thought. I will give you um, both of them. The first is that, yes, the president can pardon himself because the president has the pardon power and the president can pardon anyone as he sees fit and there are no restrictions on the Constitution. That's the basic gist of it. The second, and I think it is actually the more grounded one, is if you follow along with what the founders wrote in the Federalist Papers and the like, um, this is a more complicated one than to just say, well, obviously the Constitution says he has the power of pardon so he can pardon himself. What the founders believed is that the president is uh, the power flows from, not to, the president. When the president exercises power, that power is a release of the executive's power under the Constitution. And it goes in one direction, from the president towards someone or something. And if the president were to pardon himself, it would be the power of the president reverting back to himself, enriching himself in some way that the founders did not contemplate. Therefore, it would be unconstitutional to pardon himself. Now, I concede out of the gate. Uh, The other sounds like uh, just a no-brainer. The Constitution says the president has the power of pardon. Therefore, the president can pardon anyone. Therefore, the president can pardon himself. It's a very easy answer. If you read the founders, however, and their understandings of presidential power, it is a, a unitary executive. All powers flow from the president in the executive branch. And because the power flows from the president, it always goes away from the president to something. It cannot come back on the president. Therefore, he cannot pardon himself because it would be a power that is for other people being used for himself, and the Constitution contemplates by its structure that he can't do that. That's going to be argued about, by the, and the reason it's going to be argued about is because it's unsettled. We do not have 
a situation in this country where a president has thought to pardon himself. Now, the precedent is Richard Nixon, and Richard Nixon did not pardon himself. He did not even try to pardon himself. And part of the issue with Richard Nixon was he was on the verge of being impeached, but also Richard Nixon didn't pardon himself on the way out the door because the lawyers for Nixon read the structure of the Constitution into the pardon power, as I explained it, that the presidential power flows from him. It can't come back to him. And so he passed the buck to Gerald Ford, who pardoned Nixon to move the country beyond Nixon, and that power flowed from Ford to Nixon, no longer president, and worked. My guess, if this were to go to the U.S. Supreme Court, you would see Katanji Jackson-Brown, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, and John Roberts agree the power of the president flows from the president, not to the president, therefore he can't pardon himself, and I would bet you you would get probably Brett Kavanaugh to join them in a 5-4 decision. You'd probably get Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch as well, and so it would be a 7-2 decision. But it's all hypothetical until it happens, and right now it's not happening. And if polling is to believed, in Iowa, Ron DeSantis has now shot up 16 points in the past month, according to the Reuters poll there. Uh, he's still about 20 points behind the president, but or President Trump but has surged 16 points. And in fact, uh, if you look at all of the polling now, uh, people loathe Joe Biden. They loathe Donald Trump, but if forced to pick between them, more Americans would pick Biden than Trump. So therefore, Trump won't come back to be president. Vivek Ramaswamy, who's going to be on the program on Monday, went down to Florida, to Miami. People said he was wearing a truth social cap. He was actually wearing a cap. His campaign, uh, one of the, the slogans that they have is truth. And the graphic and design looks like Truth Social. People thought it, he was promoting Trump's website. He was trying to promote his own campaign. But he went down to Miami and did not. Some said he was going to drop out and endorse Trump. He didn't do, did not do that. What he did do is say if he's elected, he will fully pardon President Trump. In fact, there are those behind the scenes who are trying to convey a message to Donald Trump that you would be very smart right now to get out of the race and rally behind someone who agrees publicly or privately to pardon you because given the nature of the charges against you, it's going to be very hard to beat them. Now, you have to understand again, and I don't mean to be a broken record here, I'm just trying to explain this one to you. It does not seem to be beyond dispute, or rather it does seem to be beyond dispute that a grand jury requested documents with classified markings and Donald Trump did not hand them all over and it appears that he tried to stop his lawyers from handing them over. If that is proven in court, that's a crime. Whether you or I think it should be or not, that's a crime. And so there are people trying to pursue a, uh, a, a strategy of convincing Donald Trump, you got to drop out and find someone, hit your wagon to someone who can win and pardon you because you're going to be found guilty. I don't think he will. I think he'll run. Whether he wins or not, he's got something to prove, and he's got a fundraise to pay his lawyer, so he's going to run. The other campaigns, though, they're starting to shift very subtly. Nikki Haley, you expect, first of all, you expect that 
Chris Christie's going to go out beating up Donald Trump. I didn't even get any audio of Chris Christie. You know what he's going to say, that he's a loser, he's been a loser, he's always lost, except 2016, he was a fluke, and then he's been losing ever since. He, he's he's brought this on himself. You, you know what Christie's going to say. Nikki Haley had a shift. Uh, before the indictment came out, she said this is um, this is bad, this is politicization of the justice system. But now that it's been revealed, one of the the pieces of information Donald Trump apparently had if the indictment is to be believed, one group of classified documents Donald Trump had are the classified locations of members of the American military around the world. You know, we are we have special operators in parts of Africa and the like that we aren't supposed to know about. We don't know where they are or what they're doing. It is alleged they are fighting ISIS and al-Qaeda. And Donald Trump had the documents showing where he had placed them. Nikki Haley's husband is active duty military, and he has been called back up and is going abroad. And she was on Fox News yesterday and has become a little more strident in her tone on this stuff. When I was at the UN, I mean, I saw that the president never got an ounce of credit or a moment's peace. I also had to deal with the Russiagate because that's what they were swirling around all the time, and we saw that that was not a fact. Um, this is what I'll tell you. Two things can be true at the same time. One, the DOJ and FBI have lost all credibility with the American people. And getting rid of just senior management isn't going to be enough to fix this. This is going to take a complete overhaul, and we have to do that. Two, the second thing can also be true. If this indictment is true, if what it says is actually the case, President Trump was incredibly reckless with our national security. More than that, I'm a military spouse. My husband's about to deploy this weekend. This puts all of our military men and women in danger. If you are going to talk about what our military is capable of or how we would go about invading or doing something with one of our enemies. And if that's the case, it's in, it's reckless, it's frustrating, and um, it causes problems. And, you know, we're looking now, this is the second indictment. We're looking at possibly a third indictment um, coming in with Georgia. My concern is not so much about how this you know, plays out and what we do with it. My concern is about the direction of the country. The fact that we cannot have Biden win this election. We cannot go through Biden or Kamala Harris winning this election. We've got to have someone that can win a general election. We've got to have someone that can right the ship on this country and get us back in shape, whether it's the border, whether it's crime. We've got to start doing that. And, and I think the time is now. So Nikki Haley's shift is uh, this is a weaponization of the judicial system, but also if the allegations are true, they're bad. They put our military in harm's way. And also he's so bogged down in this stuff that he's not going to be able to to move forward. Tim Scott has now shifted as well and said something very similar that uh, the allegations show a level of irresponsibility on the president's part. I am reliably told that several of the campaigns are working on focus grouping and messaging to figure out a way to get through to Trump voters. Here's something, you know, the media just wants these Republicans to go after Trump. They want these uh, people to just beat up Trump. The media just wants to beat up Trump. They want to scratch the itch. They don't care about the strategy. These people actually want to win. Here is what we know. Go back to Brian Kemp in Georgia in 2022. Brian Kemp never punched back. When he was on the campaign trail, he never really punched back at the president. He might disagree with the president, always sounded respectful, never combative. 
he did not want to alienate Trump voters who he would need in the general election. And many of them, not all of them, many of them came to vote for him. You've got to have someone play it this way. They've got to praise the president for what he did, acknowledge that in this situation it suggests some level of poor judgment on his part, and even if you don't want to do that, you pivot to, but he's going to be so bogged down and we must be Joe Biden, there's no path forward for him. You've got to be able to do that so you don't risk alienating his voters. You've got to provide them a permission structure by which they can rationalize, I love him, but I have to leave him. If you just go out and attack and attack and attack Trump, you don't build the permission structure for Trump's supporters to say, it's internally, it's not an act of disloyalty to, to jump to this guy. You've got to make them feel like they're not being disloyal. You've got to make them feel like they're doing Trump a favor. I love Donald Trump. You've got to convince them of this. You've got to convince them to themselves to have this inner monologue. I love Donald Trump. To help Donald Trump, I'm going to go vote for this person who will pardon him. This is not an act of betrayal. It is, I realize that this must happen to help Donald Trump. The candidates are focus grouping in message testing to try to convey this. How do you talk to Trump voters without alienating them? To suggest to them their guy screwed himself, he's probably going to go to jail unless we beat Biden, and he can't beat Biden. How do you talk to him in that way? I, I don't know the answer. I, I, I find it all deeply frustrating the way you got to coddle people sometimes, but it's all an emotional thing. We're in a postmodern time. Everybody's very emotional. Nobody thinks logically about this stuff. So how do you talk to them at an emotional level and convince them, I must leave Donald Trump to help Donald Trump? And that's what the candidates, some of them I am led to believe, are testing right now. And I suspect once they find an angle, you're going to start hearing better messaging from these other candidates. Haley and Scott are the first out of the gate. I don't think they'll be the last. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. The Wall Street Journal has a story out about employees now challenging their employers. A lot of people don't want to go back to the office, particularly younger people. I, I've got to tell you, um, the structure for my show and my employees is is we have an office now, and for years I worked out of my house, but we have always worked very collaboratively together, and it's just my show. And and at the end of the day, it falls on me to put on a good show, whether anyone else helps or not. i got to put on a good show. But for most businesses, there's a collaborative process. And like when I was a lawyer and whatnot, uh, walking around the office and meeting people and engaging with people and talking about your cases – brainstorming with people was useful. And a lot of people who started out working shortly before COVID, and then you went into lockdowns and shut down offices, now they're coming back and they don't want to go back. It's disruptive to their lifestyles at this point. And what they do not know is that they will get further in life professionally by being seen in an office and being able to collaborate in an office, there is actually something useful, particularly in a tech space. And it's ironically the tech workers who are uh, the most inclined to complain about going back to work. But there's something really, I mean, Apple notoriously requires collaboration. They want you to roam the hallways and talk to people. 
to brainstorm on ideas. You can't do that on Zoom. You can't do that remotely in the same way. And employers are starting to get very frustrated with their employees who feel the need to fight back on issues like coming back to the office. If you don't want to come back to the office, go get a new job. Farmers Insurance, new CEO, stepped in it by um, the old guy said, come three days a week. The new guy's like, I want you there five days a week. Uh, and I think we're going to see this mass force back to the office. Ironically, it's going to force unionization on some companies that might not want it as employees fight back through unionizing. And still, I think they're going to force people to come back into the offices. An office is actually a good thing for collaboration, among other other issues. I'm so delighted now to have an office that I can come to every day to do my show. And the switch flips, and when I leave, I'm done. And it's great. Other people, younger people, will have to figure that out. Now, collaboration in the conservative movement is also good. And one of the groups that does it so well is Americans for Prosperity. They want to collaborate with you on fighting for small government around the country. All you got to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. Sign up for AFP. They teach you how to be a conservative activist. They teach you how to fight for limited government. They give you all the documentation and arguments you need to make your case. This past year, they've had over 200 legislative victories so far in state legislative sessions, rolling back government and government regulations, expanding the free market. They want your help to expand even further. They've got over 30 state chapters. They want to get to all 50 states. They need your help to do it. You can go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. Learn to be the conservative warrior you've always wanted to be. Learn to get the best information and deliver that information to your local government and state government. Learn to be effective fighters for free gov- free markets and free people. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. That's the website. Go sign up with them. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Become an effective conservative activist with AFP's help. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson across the nation. 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the phones, I am delighted to have you. And I got to talk about, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I want to talk about that instead. Oh. I mentioned yesterday the trans lash that is coming, the backlash towards the trans agenda. So just very ironically, I saw, let me see if I can, because I I didn't save it. Um, There, some opinion writer wrote a piece essentially saying that uh, conservatives are overplaying their hands They're so cruel on all these culture war issues. There's going to be a backlash. I think there's going to be a backlash, but I don't think it's going to be about conservatives on these things. Um, Did you see what happened at the White House? This is... um, I, I I think this is really unfortunate. Now, you should know the White House has banned Rose Montoya. But the damage is already done. Montoya is a transgender social media influencer, 27 years old. She pulled up her shirt, really his shirt, and started 
cupping his breasts. He had a boob job to make himself look like a woman. But uh, if you follow along, he was not the only person. Uh, Okay. Can we just, for a moment, like, get real here? I have a book coming out. I've written a book. You Shall Be As Gods is the name of the book. You Shall Be As Gods. It is about how the what we are facing in this country right now is the rise of a new religion. And it is trying to supplant very old religions. And what it actually is, is a reversion to the old sex cults, pre-Christian sex cults. It is a worship of self and worship of body. And we're seeing this on display on the White House lawn at a pride ceremony where the president, between American flags, position in the prominent position, the pride flag. And beyond that, we're seeing these people engage in hedonism and debauchery on the streets of America in pride celebrations in ways that would otherwise get you arrested. At the White House, it wasn't this one person, but multiple people who took their tops off to either show their scars from where they had mastectomies to develop chests like men, or where they had implants put in, men did, to have uh, breasts like women. They exposed themselves to children on the White House lawn. There's all this this hand-wringing today that protesters at the Donald Trump in arraignment in Florida are going to get out of hand. Uh, the president and his team couldn't control the trans activists of the White House who couldn't keep their clothes on on the White House lawn. Debauchery. Hedonism. And it is a religion. Now, I, I, I should tell you, there are people who complain about me and say, oh, he talks about this stuff too much. This is kind of relevant to the conversations we're having as a country right now and the blowback starting to be faced in the trans community. We mentioned this yesterday, and Charlie said, I had no idea we had that many gay listeners. Uh, I don't know how many we have, but maybe it was all of them the call. The, the number of people in the gay community, gays and lesbians, who are highly indignant at this point about the trans community. It makes no sense. The, the, the T in the LGBT wants to chop up the L's and, and the G's. It, it makes no sense. What is a lesbian? A lesbian is a woman who is attracted to another woman. What is gay? It is a man attracted to another man. So if you're a lesbian, you are same-sex attracted female. If you're gay, you're a same-sex attracted man. Homosexuality, uh, people who are attracted to the same sex. The trans community comes along and says, actually, no. If you're a woman who is sexually attracted to a woman, then actually you are a man trapped in a woman's body, and you should have a sex reassignment surgery and artificially construct a male uh, genital organ 
and live your life as a man. No, you're a lesbian. You're a woman who is attracted to women. And, and the trans community says, no, no, that's not the case, that that uh, there are gender norms, and the gender norm is men like women and, and women like men. And if you can flout that gender norm, then it's your body that is wrong. Not your, You're not born gay or straight. You actually get to choose yourself later that you want to be male or female. You get to choose your gender. It's, it's an absurdity. But it's the new secular, secular religion worshipped and on display in local public schools and at the White House. But there's more to it than that. If, if this was a normal thing, you know, so to say someone is trans male or trans man or trans woman means they're not a man or a woman. And yet nowadays, if you say they're, they're not a man or a woman, you get censored on social media. YouTube is now blocking or demonetizing accounts that refuse to go along with transgender ideology, just as the Western European countries are walking away from it. Sweden, Norway, Finland, Great Britain, France, they're now all walking away from giving puberty blockers to kids or encouraging testosterone in girls. They're, they're, they're walking away from it. And in this country, it's being locked in as part of some sort of a agenda on the left. It's a madness. It's a social contagion. You know, the other shocking thing are the number of scientists whose works are being uh, shut down and repudiated because they're flying against the transgender zeitgeist. There was a big uh, research report that came out that showed that so many of the kids who identify as trans have are on the autism spectrum, and more than that, uh, they're being influenced by social media. It was well-documented. It was well-researched. It was uh, multiple university uh, researchers from multiple universities who showed it, and it was published, and there was so much outrage, it got retracted. The silencing, the censoring, the bullying, it's not healthy for society. And it's what's happening. And I do think there's going to be a backlash. I don't think it's going to be against conservatives, though. I think it's going to be against the people who are relentlessly bullying everyone to accept this. Rachel Levine, the man who is the assistant uh, health and human services secretary who you get canceled on social media for accurately pointing out dude looks like a lady or, or, or lady looks like a dude. Um, this, this, this man who is a trans activist, listen to this. Gender-affirming care is medically necessary, safe, and effective for transgender and non-binary youth and adults. Those who attack our LGBTQI plus community are driven by an agenda that has nothing to do with science and medicine. These are politically and ideologically motivated attacks, again, on trans youth, and they are contrary to the overwhelming science and evidence. So we all have to stand up. We have to stand up and advocate and take a stand on behalf of those who are being harmed in many states across the country. Yes. That's it. You see, it's, it's all political. Never mind the actual science. Never mind the actual scientists. Never mind bullying. But, you know, this is a, there, there's a larger issue here because I do want to move away from this issue. I, I, and that is the left these days has hit on this idea that they should censor and silence anyone who disagrees with them. And if you can't get your view across in the town square for fear of your job, your livelihood, your life, well, then they say, well, no one's challenging us. We must be right. It's all part of a strategy 
to silence the voices on the other side so there can be no rebuttal. And if there is no rebuttal, well, they can say, look, everybody agrees with us. Never mind people are living in fear for their livelihood and lives. They can't respond. You've got people within the Biden administration who are willfully censoring and silencing. You've got activists on the left who will go out of their way to cancel anyone who disagrees with them. In fact, I will tell you, I mean, that this this has happened to me. I w- in the process of growing this this show nationwide. A, a, a certain group decided that, well, you know, he talks about God on the radio. We can't put him on our radio stations. These are, it was a liberal group that just happens to have conservative talk radio stations. You, you see, can't, can't, let, can't let these voices out there. Can't let anyone who disagrees, can't, can't let anybody who talks about this issue. I will tell you the number of people who have told me, you can't talk about cultural issues on conservative talk radio or you're not going to grow. You can talk about the Democrats. You can bash the Democrats. You can talk about economic stuff. But you better not talk about this faith and culture stuff on the radio because all the people that the, who make the decisions, they're on the left, and they will censor you told you about a guy who I know, I actually know his family, I don't know him, I've gotten to know him since then, uh, just because his family connected us, but he worked for a major American bank, and he got disciplined because he was, uh, it was suggested that his division within his bank participate in a pride parade, and he chose not to, and he got disciplined for a voluntary, it was very clear, voluntary, no obligation, but we're all going to go. And his whole unit showed up except for him. He got in trouble because he did not go. The forced compulsion to go to things, the forced censoring, it's all very torquemada. It's all very inquisition-like. There's a backlash coming. These liberal... Writers out there say this this is a backlash coming against the right. They're just so nasty. They're so mean. No, I mean, have you seen the polling shift? We talked about this yesterday. There is a backlash coming. It's happening. Even gay men and lesbians are more likely these days to think that transgenderism isn't a real thing than just three years ago. It's a it's a massive spike in the number of people who think there are just two genders. By the way, that is actually the truthful position. And what's remarkable is so many people in the media and among the Democratic Party who want to lecture those of us on the right about the truth and truth and, and lies and Donald Trump, and none of them can even tell you what a woman is. In fact, J.K. Rowling, as I speak, is on social media pointing out Johns Hopkins University can define what a man is. And the definition of a woman is all about it not being a man as opposed to its own unique thing. When womanhood is defined in relation to being a man, you have eradicated a gender. And everything's about a man. And it's no surprise at all that the biggest advocates of this happen to be white men who've decided they're women. And because they're white men, they think they must be listened to. It is their privilege, don't you know? It is my privilege to tell you about Vision Computers. Y'all, I've fallen in love with this company. Now, for years, I I heard my buddy Neil Bortz talk about Vision Computers, and now that I I needed to buy, build a gaming PC, it was my son's Christmas present. We put it off, we put it off, we put it off. Wanted a gaming PC, and I didn't know where to go, and I looked at, at, at the big box stores. I nearly named them, and I shouldn't name them. 
And I went on some of the websites, uh, some of the computer shops out there. It's all so confusing, the GPUs and everything else. But with Vision, I sat down with them and said, I want a gaming PC for my son. Here's his age. Here's what he's interested in. Here are the games he likes to play. Here's the stuff he needs. And they not only built him the gaming PC of his dreams, dude loves it, but also they made it expandable. So as his interests change, I don't have to go buy a brand new computer. I just go back to Vision and they can modify it. It's been fantastic. They can do that for you too or for your company if you need it for your company. But what sets them apart is their tech support. My 14-year-old can call Vision Computer's 800 number, call them and talk to them and get tech support that he, a 14-year-old, can understand. And in more than one case, they've been able to just remotely connect into his computer and fix stuff for him without him having to do anything if he had a problem. It's been fantastic. I no longer have to be IT support in my house. That's Vision Computer's job. If you want this for yourself or your business, call them, 404-COMPUTE. Ask them about the Eric Erickson Special. You can go to visioncomputers.com as well. But if you call them at 404-COMPUTE, you can ask about the Eric Erickson Special. Get something extra special, and they actually answer the phone. That's what makes their tech support so good. In addition to they're just great know what they're doing, they actually answer the phone. They actually answer the phone. There's no callbacks. They answer the phone. They help you with your computer. 404-COMPUTE or visioncomputers.com. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I know I have listeners who are in New Orleans this week for the Southern Baptist Convention. In fact, I can tell by my live stream numbers that I'm getting a lot of people from the New Orleans area. Uh, And so let, let me offer a recommendation. If you are there or you are headed to the Southern Baptist Convention, it is the uh, gathering of the nation's largest Protestant denomination. They have their annual meeting, their messengers meet. Uh, they've got some big fights. I actually wrote about one this morning over female pastors. Gus's Po'boys. You need to go eat at Gus's Po'boys. Now, I probably should not say this because eventually I will make my way back to New Orleans and go to Gus's, where I have been eating since I was in high school. The roast beef po' boy, gold standard. And red beans and rice on Mondays, you've missed it. But Gus's po' boys, I'm tell, I've am i been eating at Gus's po' boys since I was in high school. It is still there. It is still fantastic. I highly recommend it. Now, while they're there, you know, they're, they're having this, this big fight over uh, female pastors within the Southern Baptist Convention. So that they've got what's called the Baptist Faith and Message. The Baptist Faith and Message is kind of the, the guidelines by which churches agree within the SBC that this is the, the norm they, they uh, adhere to. And it says that pastors have to be men. But Rick Warren of Saddleback Church and a couple other churches decided, no, they could have female pastors as well. And the Southern Baptist Convention evicted them from the SBC. And it's become this big cultural fight. I don't care where you stand on the issue of female pastors. I really don't. I have plenty of friends in in churches that have female pastors. I'm in a denomination that does not. Uh, Your mileage may vary on the issue. But the SBC does not have female pastors. And according to their standards, cannot have female pastors. And that they're having this fight is because people want to convert cultural norms, including Rick Warren, and they probably would be wise to just stand firm. I think they should not cave on the issue under cultural pressure, whether they want to change over time or not. Now is just not the time to force a change uh, because the cultural zeitgeist of the day is trying to bully them into it. Hold firm in the faith. And go to Gus's Po' Boys, people. You'll thank me later. 